This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When personal investments exceed personal goals and the retirement fund is bigger than your retirement dreams is when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Investment Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show that's dedicated to those of you 50-plus and your overall investment, tax, and estate planning. And your direct link to all of North America's top money managers who have the best ideas on how you can grow your money. You know, we've been saying this since 1992. That's right, 30 years we, since we started this program. And each week, you're going to hear from one or two guests, and they're going to have uh, expertise in the bond or the stock markets. And they're going to bring us up to speed on how they're performing and what the sectors that we should be looking at in the market on those, uh, on those weeks. Also joining us will be estate lawyers. They're going to go over will planning, probate, powers of attorney, family law. Hopefully we can get some accountants on here too to talk about tax planning and strategies to minimize the tax that you pay. So all in all, the, the program's all based on a full wealth management plan for you and um, your retirement. Also each week, we're going to have the rapid fire round. I'm going to answer questions that you can have emailed into us or you could call them into us. So get your uh, pencil and paper ready. That's part of the show that's the most important part because we want to answer the questions that are most important to you. Also, I'm going to have special reports. So each week when we talk about particular topics, I'll have special reports on those topics that you can call in for and get at no cost. So if you have your papers and pencils ready, take down this number. It's 1-866-891-2637. That's 1-866-891-2637. My associate, Dominique, will be the one answering the phone, and she'll take down your email and your address and send the report to you directly. So anything that you hear and you'd like to get a special report on that, we'll send that out to you. Okay, let's check in what's happening with the markets. You know, we're going to get to the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation, but we need to wind back a little bit further into last week. And it was one of those things. We knew it was coming. We expected it. And when we saw it, it was uh, exactly what we thought it would be, and it was a big number. And what we're talking about is CPI. CPI came out with a 7.5% increase on a year-over-year basis. That's the highest increase since 1982. As a result of that, um, basically, the odds for a 50 basis point interest rate hike have gone up uh, substantially. Actually, it's over 80 to 90% now. So clearly, the Fed is a little bit behind the uh, curve here. We've known that for a long period of time. Inflation, you know, they were talking about it being transitory. It's not transitory now. What you're seeing from the services side... Uh, we're starting to see wage growth, owner-equivalent rents are starting to trend higher. So the big question is, we knew this was coming from the last CPI number that we had, and we figured it would be a big number. So why did the market uh, have such a huge reaction and such a huge drop over that time frame? It actually wasn't just the number that was getting the market really concerned here. It was um, a Fed chairman, his name is uh, Bullard. He came out and basically said that he were looking for a 100 basis point rate hike in July. So that kind of implies that there would be a 50-point rate hike and then 225s. So that got the market really unnerved. And then Goldman, Goldman Sachs, which is a large um, um, firm in the United States, made it worse by saying there could be seven rate hikes in 2022. And while I've said oftentimes, rising rates are not necessarily bad for stocks, and stocks tend to do okay after the first Fed tightening, it kind of just got you know people flat-footed there. 
And we also, you've got to remember two weeks ago, we had uh, a, a bigger sell-off and we rallied up from that. So, and the other thing you got to remember too, when you read these reports, even Goldman Sachs makes a lot of macro calls. They make mistakes. They think that oil is going to go to $100 and they think that the economy will sputter. They're not always right. And when we're talking about the Fed in the United States and the Bank of Canada here in Canada, those are a group of people who basically watch the bond market and watch the data through the rearview mirror. And they try to make judgments about the future. I would argue that they're not better off uh, looking through the windshield than looking through the rearview mirror. We got one more CPI number to come before um, you know the Fed decides what they're going to do. You know, oil prices are very strong. Obviously, the conflict in the Ukraine with Russia has people concerned about oil prices will go up because Russia. And the reason behind that is because Russia is a, is a major exporter of oil, so supplies could be very curtailed here. We know the economy is going to get strong as more and more businesses open and people go out and do things, whether it's driving and consuming gas or flying and consuming uh, jet fuel. So inflationary pressures are going to be with us for a while. But you don't have to panic. Just because uh, inflation is going up doesn't mean that stocks have to go down. Okay, here's a key point. We've gone from a cycle of pent-up demand for goods to a cycle of pent-up demand for services. So we could run smack dab into, um, you know, a lot more expensive things out there. You know, we heard from uh, the other day I was on a call with our, uh, is it like our restaurants analyst? He said that, that they've all raised prices and people don't seem to be objecting at this point. I went to a restaurant last week and prices were considerably higher than I remember them. You know, the problem there is they, they can't get labor. They can't get enough servers. Now they have to limit some of their times. I know a restaurant just down the street from us that we go to regularly, you know, used to be open every day for, um, uh, lunch now are only open one or two days a week for lunch. So there are all kinds of dislocations out there that will gradually resolve themselves. But again, the reason the Fed is raising rates is because the economy is getting better. They think that we're on firm footing. And while the growth rate is slowing, which of course it would, because we're comparing it to an economy that was closed last year and then reopened. You know, the Omicron thing is going to go away. Generally speaking, things are getting better. People's optimism should get better too. The Russia and Ukraine conflict is now in the eye of the market. We've heard from President Biden talking about sanctions that the entire world would put against uh, Russia. And it looks like the sanctions are part of a negotiation with Russia and that Russia wants certain things to uh, be decided upon by NATO. But generally speaking, these types of issues pass quickly, unless it's a lot more serious than an invasion of a small country. Okay, so at the end of the day, stay the course and stay right there. We'll be right back with Mike Kovacs of Harvest. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino and Primetime Money. Joining us now is Mike Kovacs, who is the president and CEO of Harvest Portfolios Group. Mike actually founded Harvest in 2009 and is a 28-year veteran of the investment management business. And I've known and worked with them a lot of those 28 years. Mike, how are you doing? Oh, doing great, Richard. How are you? Thanks for show, you know, showing up today and talking to us. Uh, this is our first show back. And I know that you founded Harvest 13 years ago. And um, I guess the first thing we should do for the, the listeners here, Mike, is tell everybody about what you guys special in and, and uh, what you have going on there at Harvest. Sure. Uh, happy to. Yeah, I can't believe it. it'll be 13 years in, in uh, April uh, that we founded the company. And um, the, uh, the interesting thing is that we haven't uh, we haven't changed our philosophy or our, our long-term focus uh, over that whole time. Uh, everything that we've brought to the market has been, for the most part, equity-focused. 
uh, about uh, option writing and, and generating income for our clients. So whether that was initially in some uh, structured products and then we later, about five years ago, moved into the ETF business, uh, which has been a, a great growth area. And we've just continued to launch products that focus on uh, long-term equity growth to grow capital and to generate attractive uh, income for our, our unit holders. So is the main focus basically, uh, you know, products that generate income more than growth? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you put together the, the, the group of um, funds that you have there, how many would you have? Well, right now we've got, on the ETF side, we've got 15 in total. Okay. And what, you see, when you... We're trying to grow capital all the time because, as we know, you know, you've got very low interest rates these days and, and people are retiring, they're living longer, and, you know, they've got to get their capital to grow and, and maintain them much longer. So the idea is through equities we can get those above-average rates of growth. If you can grow your capital 5 6 7 even 8% a year and at the same time generate 6 to 8% a year in income, you're sort of getting – you're winning both sides. You're getting the income and you're, you're growing your capital. And that's part of the strategy behind uh, being long, so for the most part, large cap equities, big big companies people are familiar with, and then writing options and collecting the dividends to generate that income. So it's a combination of, okay, I'm going to get um, a set dividend across all these uh, large cap stocks. And then in addition to that, when you write the covered, when you do the calls and write, write the options on there, the focus of those is not for uh, risk or growth, it's for getting extra income. Exactly. So you're in a way you're monetizing, if you will, uh, part of your return. So you're you're taking away a little bit of the upside by writing the call options, but you're collecting the premium, if you will, or the income immediately, and you're able to pay that out as dividends or distributions. Well, that you know that's a good combination when you're looking at okay, I have a potential to make six or seven or eight percent income, and then you know own a a basket of portfolios that can give me an extra six or seven or eight percent growth on top of that. Exactly. So you can, you know, over, a, say, a 10, 12-year period, you're doubling your capital while you're generating that income. Yeah. And we think it's it's really important. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of clients uh, that are in the retirement age, and they need to, how, how am I going to, it's a problem. How are you going to grow that capital for possibly 20, 30 more years and generate income? Right. And that's what we're focused on. Yeah. And what we tell people, Mike, is we say, you know, you're retired, and if you're, you're, this pool of money that you have is for uh, generating income, then you got to focus on income first. Don't focus on something that's, you know, that has some growth profile. Focus on the income, and then the growth will come down the line. Especially in these markets, like, you know, since the beginning of the year, Mike, wow, it's uh, all over the place. Tough to read. Yeah, it, it is. We've, I mean, let's face it, up until really December, we had 20 great months. I mean, the markets were very, very strong, and uh, we rebounded from the sort of the COVID lows in March of 2020 and, and had some you know, some great returns. And now we're, we're in this period of choppiness. Uh, I think there's a lot of consolidation. As we all know, there's noise out there about uh, uh, what's going on with the Russia and the Ukraine. There's noise around interest rates and, and inflation levels. And that's all sort of adding to, uh, I see, almost sort of a consolidation that's going on at this point in time. Yeah, it's 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 difficult read, but you, you got to stay focused. And you know what? Timing's perfect having you on the show today. I know you guys are launching a new fund. Tell us all about the fund that you're launching. Sure. Well, it's it's the Harvest Diversified Monthly Income ETF or HDIF. It just started okay. trading yesterday, actually. Um, Harvest David Income Fund, uh, HDIF. And um the focus is, as we were talking a little bit about our, our other products, what we've done is it's almost the best of where we've selected five of our existing ETFs, so the healthcare, 
the brands, the U.S. banks, utilities, and our tech achievers. We'll allocate the capital across all five, so 20% to each. We'll go back, we'll rebalance that uh, every quarter. And on top of that, we use a very modest amount of uh, leverage. We have a bank facility where we can actually leverage the portfolio up by 25% uh, and into those underlying funds. And then what you've got is you've got a yield that's coming back to you from that of uh, 8.5%, which well, is uh, paid on a monthly yeah. basis, obviously. Uh, but it gives you exposure across about five portfolios, but also across 90 different companies. It gives you that nice uh, balanced approach across different sectors. Uh, all large cap names all have option writing, which helps reduce some of the volatility. But then we generate that, that really attractive yield. Yeah, that's a great yield for somebody. Does it get paid out monthly, Mike? It's paid out monthly, correct. Okay, yeah. so that's 8.5%. And the, and the ticker code, again, is HDIF. H- yeah, HDIF as in Frank. Well, it's great having you on the show uh, for our, our first show, Mike, and I'm glad you were you were here. Continue success with all of your investments, and uh, hope you have a great launch here with um, the HDIF. Great. Well, we appreciate it. All right. You take appreciate care. That. You too. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was Mike Kovacs, who is the president and CEO of Harvest Portfolios Group. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. Distributions are not guaranteed, and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by Harvest Portfolios Group. Okay, stay right there, folks. We'll be right back with our special feature, the Rapid Fire Round. I'm Richard Infantino, and this is Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio. It's time for the Rapid Fire Round, where Richard answers all of your financial questions. Okay, here we go. The first question comes from Carol T. of Georgetown, who asks, Richard, I'm retired. I just sold my house, and I have a lump sum of money to invest. I've never invested in a TFSA. How much can I put in? That's the idea, Carol. Invest the proceeds of the house into a TFSA first. You always do that first, folks, is put it into an account where the earnings that you're going to have are going to earn tax-free, and then the remainder would go into an investment account. Now, remember, in the investment account, basically there you're going to pay tax on whatever you earn. So if you get interest, uh, dividends, or capital gains, you'd pay tax on those. So, of course... The tax-free savings account is uh, the first thing you should do. The other thing you got to consider, too, is, um, and I'm going to assume here, um, Carol, that you don't have RRSP room saying that you're retired. You can put $81,500 now of the proceeds into an account. And then assuming that potentially you have a spouse, that spouse could put another $81,500 into their account. And um, basically what you want to take a look at there is once you put the money into the account, the big question is now what should you invest in? So given what's happening in the market today, you know, I would say that it points to uh, you looking at um, high quality, uh, conservative dividend stocks and ETFs. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this later on in in the show and then later on as we go through the the weeks and the months here, uh, we'll be talking about different kinds of investments that are the best for your TFSA uh, compared to, you know, what's going to happen inside of your open account and how you should manage all of these accounts. So you're going to have basically three that, you know, I deal with with clients along the line. So one, you got the TFSA, you're going to have a RSP or a RIF, and then you're going to have an open account. That's the three basic accounts most people have. So when you're doing proper uh, financial planning and money management, what you're looking at is what's the most effective uh, 
the tax effective way to deal with what kinds of investments go inside of your TFSA, what kinds of investments go inside of your registered account, which would be an RSP or a RIF once you're drawing money out, or in number three, what are the best kinds of investments that should be inside of your open account? So we'll get to those later on. So thanks for that question, Carol. Our second question comes from um, David K of Toronto. He says, Richard, I'm 63 and retired. What's the difference between whole life and permanent insurance, and should I buy it? Well, life ins- these are life insurance products, folks. That's what we're talking about. So here's what they can kind of include when you look at life insurance. These are the kind of the key words that you look at. One area is called term insurance. So basically, term insurance is a form of inexpensive insurance that is used to protect you for a term of the policy. It could be 10, 15, 20, 30 policies. That those are, that's the name of the terms. And they're most suitable for clients that, you know, want to have an affordable type of insurance. Now, the question from um, David is, you know, what's the difference between permanent and uh, whole life? Well, it's the same thing. Whole life, universal life, and another word you might hear is term 100. Those are all permanent insurance policies. And um, basically, it covers you for your entire life. And some types uh, can build cash over time, too. So you could have, if you think about it, you could have this kind of a sidecar where you could put investments in there and build that up on top of the amount of insurance that you're going to get. Um, and, and that goes, and the idea behind having insurance is basically an estate planning strategy where you're um, having money put into a policy and then the beneficiaries of the policy are going to get that money tax-free. So it's a strategy. Again, now I'm into it. You're into estate planning and uh, you'd have a lump sum of money go to these beneficiaries tax-free. So think of it in that sense, especially when you're retired now and, and you you're going to have to pay a little bit more for insurance. And if you want insurance, you kind of back it up and say, you know, this is an estate planning strategy that I'm using. Is this something that I should think about? And that's how you kind of approach, um, you know, life insurance. There's one other area, and it's called living benefits. And the key word there is living. You're going to be alive, but you've bought an insurance to give you something while you're alive. The other two basically kick in once you have passed away. So it's called living benefits. And the, and the, and the, the three biggest ones uh, that are uh, under the living benefits uh, product cycle are uh, critical illness insurance. So that gives you a lump sum payment um, to manage the impact of a, uh, a list of um, life-altering illnesses. Uh, disability insurance uh, to replace a portion of your income um, when you become disabled. And then there's long-term care insurance. So that helps you cover the cost of, um, you know, if you have to go uh, and get special care and support. could be support in your house. Um, and, and that's when those kick in. So th- those are the ins- kinds of insurance that are available for you there, David. And you'd have to, uh, sit down with, uh, you know, an advisor that can give you the breakdown of what's, what's the best thing that you should be looking at. Okay. Number three comes from Rob S. in Oakville. Rob, I'm 61 years old. I'm still working. Should I have an RRSP or a TFSA? So that's a question that a lot of people are going to be asking these days, especially this time of the year, because we're right into, uh, the season for investing money into a TFSA, and, you, and it's the deadline coming up. And we'll talk about this more in the shows to come. Uh, uh, you know, March 1st is the deadline to have an RSP contribution count for your 2021 tax return. So remember these basic things. You know, TFSA, you've already paid tax on the money. So now I have money, uh, cash in the bank, and I'm going to contribute it. I'm going to save tax on the earnings inside the account. And there's going to be no tax when I take the money out. With an IRSP, you're going to get a tax refund the minute that you put it into the account. It's called contributing. But you have to pay tax to take it back out again once you go into a phase where you're starting to withdraw money. So here's the answer. RSPs always, if you're working, 
um, and especially if you're making over fifty to sixty thousand dollars, always RRSPs first. Because just think of this: say you're going to put you could put ten thousand dollars into your RSP, and you're in a forty percent tax bracket. I put the ten thousand into the RSP, I get four thousand dollars back. I could take that four thousand dollars now and put that in a tax free savings account. Now I have a ten thousand dollar RSP and a four thousand tax free savings account. So you get both. So the key thing, again, um, is when you're looking at it, is your time horizons. So think of this. RSPs are for long-term savings. TFSAs are for more short-term savings. For the final minute or so, take down this date. Wednesday, March 16th, 11 a.m. We're going to have a special virtual workshop. So we're going to talk about beginning of the year tax tips. These are things that you should be thinking about doing right now that can help you save tax when you do your 2022 tax return. So very important to get started on these right away. We're going to talk about the outlook for the Canadian equity market. Uh, what are the best investments for your tax-free savings account this year? Uh, growth stocks versus value stocks. Is the market changing? Should we be changing? Um, what areas should we be focusing on in 2022? And then for estate planning, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how you should choose an executor. A big problem that a lot of people have. They know that they need somebody to take care of their um, estate Who's the right kind of person to choose uh, as an executor? So call Dominique to register. Uh, it's no cost or obligation. Here's the number, 1-866-891-2637. And that's to reserve your seats. And again, there's no cost or obligation to do that. And it's virtual. So she'll send you an invite. And then you will click on that invite. And then what will happen from there is um, you'll be all registered uh, in time for the um presentation, which will be on March 16th. And then Dominique will send you a notice up uh, ahead of that, uh, getting you ready for the uh, time that it's going to start. It'll be around 11 o'clock. And then all you have to do is click on the big green button and then we're ready to go. Okay. For next week, we have two guests. First up is going to be Brooke Thackeray. He's an author and he's a portfolio manager and he is the author of the 2022 investment guidebook. So I think he's written probably 10 or 15 of these books. It's a great book. And he specializes in what's called seasonal investing. So it's looking at the seasons of the year and a calendar year and what investments do well at the beginning of the year. So January, February, March. And he talks about each season and each area and gives you the background research into what you should be investing in from a seasonal point of view. Also joining us is Juliet John, who is a portfolio manager with a company called Alpha Delta. Uh, Juliet is a veteran manager. She's had many years of experience, but primarily in dividend income stocks. So she's going to bring a wealth of experience to the show and give us some great ideas on an area that I think is very important now. When you're in this kind of a market, you want high-quality companies that pay you a dividend. And then again, when you're looking at that dividend, you're looking for companies that have grown that dividend over the years. And Juliet is a, a specialist in that area. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Wow, that went fast for our first show back. We're looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.